Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pizza Motorcast. I got a nice special guest, Rodney Potter. How's it going, Rodney? How we doing? Pretty good here. Little windy outside, but other than that, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, the wind's blowing pretty hard here. I'm actually outside still, but anyway. <laughs> so how'd your year go this year for uh, as far as drag racing goes? Well, it went pretty well. Uh, we had had a lot of fun. Went to a lot of new places. Met a lot of new people and uh, did a little bit more of the, the old school heads up match racing, which I enjoyed doing a whole lot more than bracket or index type racing. So we had a lot of fun this year. So how many, how many events did you do? I did uh, 11 different races. Um, nine different states and three of the states uh, was the first time ever being there this year racing in them uh, i think i traveled over just a just a little under just a little under twelve thousand miles i think i think it was i traveled this year well and then you came up for the out of sight drags like really like dragway right yep yeah i was up there in uh up there in june yeah, I had a great time up there. First time I was ever there, and man, a lot, lots and lots of new, uh, new people, nice people. Yeah, that's a, that's a historic track right there, too. Yep, everybody in drag racing, from years on back till present, have, uh, have taken that track down that drag strip at one point in time or another in their life, so pretty famous track. Yep. So let me rewind the clock with you, Rodney, and ask you how how did you get in drag race and when? Oh, I was all uh, growing up as a little kid. I was always around or involved or around, you know, race cars of some sort and type. <laughs> I always uh, liked the drag racing scene uh, a little bit more, even as a younger teenager. Seeing it was an, it was a challenging image. It was a challenging between you and your own machine. Realize you're racing somebody else beside but if you stop and think about it, every pass down a drag strip is between you, your machine, and the time. And obviously the best thing to do is be consistent fast at each time and it was just a little bit more intriguing than going around and around in a circle and crashing. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the, but, what was the first car you drag raced in? First time drag racing, I was uh, uh, 19, I do believe it was. It's 18, 18, 19. I had a uh, fed my own car, the 65 Ford Fairlane 500, 289, 3 and 3. Thought I had big stuff, but. <laughs> now you started out, so, uh, you started out bracket racing? Yeah, it was a bracket, it was street, street car bracket racing. But I actually always, as a kid, I always wanted to build and run gassers, either gassers or fuel alters. So, skip a bunch of years, go all the way up to about 2016, I finally bought a, uh, finally bought a gasser car body. Sort of started, it was, a, you know, ended up being a 41 Ford two-door sedan body, and that's what we run today. Now, what do you got under the hood of that car? It's a small black Ford. It's uh, board and stroked out, 410 cubic inches, uh, roughly 550 horsepower, all naturally aspirated with a big single Holly, Holly carburetor. I run a two-speed two power glide transmission and a uh, big four nine-inch rear end in the back. Uh, how long did it take uh, to how long did it take to build that car? Uh, I bought it in the spring of sixteen and went full bore full bore uh, campaign in uh, the spring of two thousand eighteen. Uh, two year time period there was excuse me, a little bit of a little bit of street driving and Figuring out, you know, figuring out what the car needed to be a natural race car, then to 
the winter of 2017, I went full bore and turned it into an all an all all out gasser drag car. No more street driving. So now when you started out racing back that 19 years old, how how was your experience going on a dragster for the first time ever? It was good. It was all right. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't really all that. The car wasn't that fast. I've been in a whole lot faster street cars, you know, with my dad's hot rods and stuff. So, but it was it was fun. It was a uh, it was a, it was a rush, and and it pretty well stuck. <laughs> how, how many how many years did you race that car for? Uh just one. Uh, yeah, it was just one. It ended up being uh, uh, girlfriends and stuff like that got in the way. So marriage and kids and so everything got kind of put on the back burner for a lot of years. Yeah, you took a hiatus and you came back with the gasser after that? Yep, came back with the gasser racing after that. If I'm going to get back in her drag racing, I'm going to do exactly what I want with a, with a gasser. And that's what we got today. So what's the fastest pass you made with the guesser? Uh, the fastest pass, um, let's see, it was 657, yeah, 657 at 105 miles an hour on the eighth mile. Now what's your... Quarter mile. Quarter mile racing, I don't do a lot of that, but quarter mile racing with the same gear package and everything was 1071 at 120 miles an hour. Now, where are these? Two different tracks? Yeah, yep, two different tracks. Yep. So now you, you, were, running with yeah. the, you were running with the dirty south gases, or you still are? Yeah, I run. I run with them some. I actually run with six different uh, six different gasser groups. I have anyway. I don't. I don't do it every year, but yeah, Dirty South gassers mainly. Uh, you know, we got the Illinois Outlaws, Bruce City guys, and we uh, uh, got the Southern Outlaw gassers down south, Straight Axle Mafia, and the Empire gassers up here in New York State. And with the Dirty South Gassers, you got a first place win. When, when, when was that? Oh, that was uh, October. No, man. About four weeks ago. What was it? October 6th or something? Whatever that weekend was. Can't remember the date. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a dream weekend come true. I've uh, been three years racing with the Dirty South Gassers, trying to get a first place finish with them. And, uh, I was dumbfounded and surprised that it happened, uh, man, because the car was, was going down, transmission was slipping, and just happened to work out to how, how, how we run, how we, how the show runs, uh, came home in first place, uh, that was a, that was a hell of a surprise, and that was a good, that was a good weekend all around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you were happy. Yeah, I was. Um, the same weekend, uh, <clears throat> along with the Dairy South Gassers and some other people involved, well, who do I don't know who all they were, uh, gave me gave me a uh, dedication dedication award for uh, Nostalgic Gasser Drag Racing Award. Uh, that meant a lot to me because I really like this style of racing. It's uh, very important, you know, for the history, for people to understand and know the history of these cars, how they actually were built back in the day. They, they, you know, not a lot of these cars were professionally built. They were all built out of somebody's garage or back door yard like my car was. And it's just fun to show, show people how cars actually were built back in the late 50s and 60s. Now, what's the story behind Shade Tree Racing? Well, that all started back when I was 19, running that fair lane, living at home with my parents at the time. I came home with a car, and I wanted to build 
a BFX out of that out of that fair lane, which would be the B would stand for the small block, and the FX is factory experiment super stock cars is what I wanted to turn that car into. And when my dad was getting out of racing and stuff, you know, getting you did a lot of street racing. He was getting out of it, didn't want to be involved with it all that much. But I had asked him at home if he wanted to help me build this car into a VFX. And he just looked at me and he says, well, he says, there's the thing. He says, there's a shade tree and the tools are in the shop and every tool better be in that shop every morning when I go to check and walked away. Wow. <laughs> so that was the beginning of how shade tree racing came, came about because my shop was underneath the shade tree. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Very interesting story. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 how it all started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful car, though. Oh, thank you. Um, sure, ain't nothing fancy. No big fancy paint jobs. Just a little bit of rust oleum, black paint here and there. It's about all it is. But it's kind of one of a one of a unique design body. There's only I only ran across one other body like it up in Havana, Illinois. Uh, that was a 48 four-door sedan, and uh, we never got to line up side by side that day. But anyway, there's just not a lot of them out there that are running that body style. It's, it's unique and different. Yeah, Shirley French did a good drawing of your car. Was that a drawing or a painting she did? Yeah, drawing. That was a whole hand drawing. Yep, that was an awesome picture. Yeah, she does good work. Do good pictures. Yes, she does. Takes good photos too. Yep. Yeah, she does. She's a very, very talented woman. And wow, stuff that she's done. All the pictures I've seen, she's very talented. Yeah, I got a handful of uh, good, good <laughs> photographers over there at Great Lakes Trailway. Yeah, they do. Yep, that was that was one of the. You know, kind of surprising things, you know, when I first up there, and how many were there? It's like, wow. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty cool. Yeah, so if time time allows and, you, you know, you're free, you'll come back again next June, right? Yeah, I'll be back. If, if time allows, I'll be back over there in June. Uh, just right now, I'm just absolutely not making any plans. Uh, the expense of everything has just gotten way out of hand as far as long time traveling. You know, and work has changed. My own personal work and stuff has all changed. So everything is everything's going to have to kind of like slide a little bit backwards and go from there. Do what I can do. Now you travel by yourself or you got any crew members at all? Just me and Fireball. That's it. Fireball has to be a stuffed squirrel, so it's just me. <laughs> so you, you're the whole crew, huh? Yeah, I'm the whole crew. The bottle, the bottle washer, the, the dishwasher, and the cook, <laughs> and the nut behind the wheel. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, all the traveling, all the racing I've done, you know, I've had some, you know, I've had some, a little bit of a sponsor, sponsor money, you know, here and there and whatnot, but basically I've done all this for the last six years right out of my own back pocket. Yeah, the sponsors, now, sponsors your pocket now. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any now. I mean, I used, I used to have, I used to have a couple that, you know, would give me some gas money, but other than that, everything's been... Everything pretty much is right out of my own back pocket. I just work and, you know, and make sure my own personal bills are paid up and whatnot. And then if I got time, time enough off of off from the work, then I go travel and go to a race. That's how I did it. So now, Rodney, what, what do you enjoy most about being a drag racer? Oh, probably... Well, the camaraderie, you know, when you get when you get into a into a, you know when you're at the pits, you know, camaraderie against the other drivers, especially if we're all nostalgic type drivers, uh, bounce ideas off of each other. 
Uh, the other the other aspect, I actually would rather build and set up a car versus even driving it anymore. I, I get a lot more enjoyment out of actually, you know, designing or helping, you know, do a different setup and, and actually watch it work versus even driving a car. Is there anything that you don't like about drag racing besides the traveling? Obviously, you know, I mean, hell, now it's $15 a gallon for racing fuel. Tires are outrageous. Parts are outrageous. Uh, other than that, probably the only other thing is, is there's still probably a little bit too much of the people are get way too involved with competition. If they can't win, they boo-hoo, you know. I mean, we're not there getting, we're not there winning, you know, thousands of dollars. And it's just people just need to learn to uh, kick back and have a little bit of fun and quit being so damn competitive. You know, come up with these professionally built ten, fifteen thousand dollar race engines just to, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it kind of takes a little bit of the fun out of it when somebody shows up like that. But I guess if they got the money, they got the money. It's it's all I can say. I don't have it, so I don't do it. <laughs> So if you could change anything about the nostalgia drag racing, what would you want to change about it? I would I would probably try to have most of it all set up like it used to be where it was uh, match racing, heads up match racing. Um, you know, get a field, everybody does time trials. And when you do your match racing, it's, it's the best out of three. You know, obviously with cars that are, you know, within a parameter of the same speed and time. And also, I guess with all that, it would be very nice if, now this is how it used to be in the late 60s and 70s, where the tracks would pay us to come. You know, I'm not saying, you know, pay us all $3,000 to show up in the driveway, but, you know, if the tracks want us there to be putting on a show, I I would like to see all those drivers get something for showing up, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it could be free entry fee or something like that. You know, so, something like that, I guess, is what I would really change. Because it all boils down to we're there to put it on a show for the people. You know, and the, the race promoters promote us coming, brag us, brag, us, brag us up and try to get the fans to come to watch us. But anyway, it would be nice if we got a little bit of jingle out of showing up. Now, Rodney, if you did not become a drag racer, what do you think you'd be doing for your spare time in life? Uh, probably rebuilding antique tractors or old trucks, classic cars. <laughs> that's that's my second nature. Something fun to do. So you prefer quarter mile or eighth mile? Um, with gassers, eighth mile. Uh, and mainly because our speed in the eighth mile is what them guys were doing in a quarter mile. Uh, you take my car, for instance, you know, I... The first time I went down a track in a quarter mile, I actually went faster than the 1965 world record time with a with a big block with a black, big block engine in, in the in the uh, super stock car at that time. <clears throat> then you start thinking about all that. It's like you know these cars, depending on how they're built and everything, with speed, they're they're, they're very very unstable. Um, you know, it, it just causes a you just your your chance of risk of having something go bad is really high in a quarter mile with the speeds. That's that's my opinion on that. So how many tracks you run on quarter mile besides Great Lakes Dragway? Uh would have been Mocan, the Mocan track and uh Kern, Nebraska, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Park City, Kansas, 
Dragway 42 in Ohio. How'd the car run at uh, Great Lakes Drag when you came up here in June? It ran great. Uh, ran great. Um, I was probably a little bit off on jet settings for the altitude and all that, but I mean, the car ran great. I was running 680s all weekend. I just left it alone. Or six, excuse me, 670s or uh, somewhere in between 670, 680 all weekend. I just left it alone. But messed around with the jets, whatnot. I could have probably would have brought it back down to 660s like it normally ran. But other than that, it ran great, you know. So did you meet, meet a lot of new people when you came up here? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was... Well, the funny thing was, I was at the ticket booth getting, you know, buying my entry ticket there or whatnot, and I had all kinds of people yelling, yelling at me like, hey, Squirrel, how you doing? How you doing? I'm like, hey, all right. And I didn't even know them. <laughs> 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 They're probably, probably, I don't know, 75% of the people know the car, but they don't even know who the driver is. <laughs> Which it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> I actually enjoy sitting there in the pitch talking with somebody. He has no idea he's talking to the owner and driver of the car. I actually, I actually enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, you're the only person that's gonna be around the car. <laughs> yeah, I'm the only one standing around there, and they, some, some people just ain't got it figured out why. Why I'm the only guy that's standing around this car, and they got to figure it out why well, I actually own it. <laughs> It's actually kind of calm, cool, and funny. Unless you have one of the other drivers in the gassers come and help you out once in a while, I'm sure, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, camaraderie amongst, amongst us all is, is you know, by far great. It's, and it's the same way, you know. You bounce ideas off each other. Help each, the whole idea is to help each other do better so we can put a better show out there in front of the people. You know, instead of trying to cut a guy down, make a guy feel bad, not having run good, the whole idea is to, you know, have fun, be friends, you know, put on a good show. That's what it's all about. And the great thing about Great Lakes Dragway, which we talked about when we we're not, you know, on the podcast where we were talking about how the return road goes right past the crowd. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that's that's just awesome to see the people just <clears throat> coming out of the grandstands, you know, come right up to the fence and they're, you know, waving, they're they're saying hi, great run, you know, thumbs up or whatever. I mean it's and and another nice thing with that is after you get back to the pitch, you know, they leave they leave the grandstands and they come through the pitch and get to talk to everybody. You know, they get the hands on with the car. That's that's just fun. That's just cool. Yeah, you know, dra drag race teams all one big happy family. Yep, one big family. That's right. That's that's right. Then, like you, you know, through the through the years, I've acquired I don't know how many I don't know how many friends across across this country. Well, kind of across the world. You know, I got a couple of fans that are from Wales, England, and Australia, uh, the Netherlands, and. Sweden, France. It's kind of kind of cool to know that, you know, and they're all involved in it too over there doing their doing their style of gasser and stuff. They're crazy. Yeah, then like you go to new tracks, travel to new tracks, and the family gets bigger and bigger. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So now, if you could have one thing. You know, if you could have the fans that come on watch your race, remember one thing about you, Rodney. What would you want them the fans to remember about you? Oh, uh, I guess that I'm a, I don't know, I guess a nice guy, straight up, you know, straight up honest guy. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know what to say other than that. You know, I built the car by hand. Uh, there's no scientific way of building this car. It's all done by looking at old school pictures and just having the uh, passion to make it work the old school way. But 
if it worked in 1963, it was going to work today. That was my philosophy. I sort of built the car after the 1963 rules, and that's that's what I did. So I guess if somebody came up and you know really wanted to know something, they would. Hopefully, they walked away knowing that they got some education and you know education by someone that was telling them the straight truth. Now, if someone were to listen to this interview and they're they think about you know, maybe they want to start racing a gas or what kind of advice would you give? Oh, get, get educated on the old school, original, original old school ways. Watch all kinds of YouTube videos of the, of the early mid sixties. Watch the black and white movies of gas or drag racing. Listen to the interviews they had back then, because what you need to do today is what they did back then. The only modern upgraded things you have today compared to them is obviously, number one, your safety stuff. Tire technology today is suppressed a whole lot better than what they ever used to have. And basically just learn how to build a car and how to set it up and how to run it and maintain it. That's about it. So thinking about safety, where, where do you get all your fire safety equipment from? Most everything I buy is, uh, um, well, obviously through some or whatever, but most of it's, oh, I, I use kind of everybody's brand, you know, Simpsons and, uh, shoot, the other name just slipped my brain, but I try to use everybody's stuff. I'm not, I'm not one particular on one brand only. They're, they're all good stuff. So now, Rodney, are, are, are there any drag racers that inspired you throughout the years? Oh, yeah, there was. Oh, yeah. I mean, my, uh, <coughs> uh, the main, the main, you know, I guess where it started all back, back in the early days through looking at magazines, obviously with the gas car, it was Stone Woods and Cook, you know, with their wheelies. And then the, um, you know, Don Nicholson, uh, Chris, uh, oh, shoot, no, I can't remember, uh, Christensen, you know, them guys, Ronnie, Ronnie Sox Martin, just watching them guys, how they interacted and how they came up with, you know, through gassers, and then they did the, the, the factory experiment, altered wheelbase cars, and then they went into, some of them went into the funny cars. You know, that's kind of where it all started by actually looking at their pictures and reading their articles and seeing them every now and then on TV, which I didn't see a whole lot when I was a kid. But but all the way up to the modern day guys. I mean, my 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 modern day drag racer guy is no matter what anybody says is John Force. I mean, he was he was badass from the badass poor boy from the grassroots, and he and he came all the way up to the top. It's you know, he, he fought and clawed his way to the top with nothing compared to some of the people that did it in his era had money, and he did not. Yeah, he built that up from the ground up. Yep, from the ground up. And then everybody told him, you're stupid, you need to quit. Just just get away, get away from us. And I can relate to that because I had people tell me that I can't do what I want to do. You know, either financially or smartness or competitively. I've had people tell me the exact same thing. And the only thing I can say about some of that results were I put them on a trailer after I beat them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't let my words, I didn't let my mouth do the words. It's kind of like what John does. I just let my car do the actions. That's, that's, how, that's how I did it. So how, how was your first time experience driving the gasser? It was uh, it was a handful. Uh, it, it was exciting. It was a handful. Steering was all out of whack. It death wobble into it. Didn't didn't realize that at the at that speed. Uh, but I had to learn had to learn how to uh, you know adjust that and get that out of there by asking people. And then everything progressed after that as far as uh, you know how to set it up. You know different air pressures, different size tires, all this good stuff. 
Yeah, so it's you know it's always yeah it's always good to get advice from other you know, racers out there. Oh yeah, I mean each other what you're gonna get knowledge is you gotta walk up to somebody you just flat out ask them. I mean, and I've and I've been now I've been on the other end of that where I've been able to give guys getting back into this some some advice too. You know, it's good. I mean, we all do it. We all need to bounce it off from each other. That's the com camaraderie. That's right. You yep. need, you, there's, there's nothing like it. <laughs> you need something for your car, someone will give it to you. you. They need something, you'll give something. If you have uh, parts, you know. Yep. Oh, yeah. You're swapping parts and tools in the pitch. You know. Uh, uh, well, you take you take just swapping tools back and forth. I haven't lost one tool in six years. Everybody was cool enough, you know. They all brought them back, uh, swapping parts, whatnot. Next, next time you see them at a race, they hand you, they hand you back what, what they borrowed from you, without even asking. I mean, that's just, that's just a racing family. Yeah, your car needs something, and you're, you, you know, next round you're going against them. Though they give you parts just so you can still race them. That's right. The whole idea is so you can have competition with each other. Yep. You know, you don't. It's not fun to watch your buddy sitting there in the pitch with something simple broke. You know, it's kind of the wrong attitude to say, ha, 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 I don't have to race you. The, the, the idea is find out, figure out something to get him running so he can go out there and run you. That's what it's about. Yep. It's a beautiful thing. Yep. So now when you get ready for a weekend racing with the gasser, is it a lot of preparation going to, going to getting ready? When do you get ready for a weekend racing with the gas? There's a lot of preparation that goes into it. Yeah, there's there's being single and doing anything by yourself. You got to think, you got to think days ahead. Uh, you know what clothes I'm gonna wear. I always try to have, I always try to take the same clothes, have them washed, have them all ready to, you know, in a duffel bag ready to go. Make sure I got, you know, racing fuel or certain parts, you know, all that good stuff. You just got to have, you just got to think ahead, and it, it, it takes a few days to put all that stuff together. At least it does me anyway. Is there a lot of maintenance to do on the car between races? Yeah, there is. Um, basically, it's all uh, uh, routine maintenance. You know, unless something really broke, but the rest of it's just all routine maintenance. Um, making sure nothing came loose. Pretty much crawl bumper to bumper through the car. You know, look at all your suspension stuff, uh, ladder bars. You know, all the all the normal everyday upkeep things. If you if you go through it every time through after a race, it doesn't take much to to be able to slide through your car and look at everything. And of course, you have to do maintenance on the trailer too. Make sure the trailer is re ready to go. Oh yeah, yeah. This year I had to go all the way through the brakes and wheel bearings. You know, I lost a set of wheel bearings. I'm going to one race, and I find out I had no brakes at all. The brakes pads and the brake drums were totally smoked. So yeah, you know, when you get back home, it's you got to rip all that stuff apart and go buy all the parts. <laughs> now you got an open trailer and closed trailer. I run an open trailer. Uh, everywhere I go, it's just a pickup truck and an open trailer, just like it used to be. Oh, that's why they all see the squirrel. <laughs> that's right, and I believe that that's the way it should be. If you're doing nostalgic racing, you know, show off your car to the public going down the highway. Uh, I've had lots and lots of cool talks. Uh, uh, communication going on, you know, with people at gas stations. They just some people know what it is, some people have no clue. <laughs> but the only reason why they see it and talk about it is because they can see it on an open trailer. Right. Yep. So now, Rodney, when you get out there in the staging lanes, do you have any pre-race rituals or superstitions while you're sitting out there? It's probably just more more of a routine thing. 
Uh, well, I guess it all starts with, uh, I guess with my racing jacket and stuff like that. I will not, I only wash that racing jacket one time at the end of the season. Uh, sweat, oil, whatever, throughout the whole freaking year, it, it stays on that racing jacket the whole entire season. Uh, same way with a helmet. I only clean it, wash it once a year. Maybe it's not kind of bad, but that's what I like to do. But as far as sitting in the car, as I get to the closer to the closer to the water box, obviously you only sit in the car, put your belts on, make sure the water pump switch is on, put your helmet on, put my eyeglasses on, and then fire it up and go to business. Yeah. So the probably one of the bad things though, if someone has a, like a oil down or something then you got weight out there and sweat sweat inside that uh, fire suit out there oh yeah yeah there if it's going to be a long time sitting you just got to get out of the car you got to get out of everything because you just can't you just can't stand the heat um my car being it's very big it's all black it, it gets a lot hotter than some of the cars do uh, I've taken temperatures with it already in there. It's It's been 25 or 30 degrees warmer inside the car than it actually was outside of the car. So, yeah, you just have to just get out and unbuckle. Yeah. It's bad when you're extremely hot and everything and you can't sweat. That means you're in trouble. Yeah, the sun, sun loves black color. Yeah, it does. It really cooks it. That's for sure. So now do you have you have any tracks on a bucket list that you would love to go to one day? Oh yeah, um, I would like to go to uh, Indy. I had my chance, you know, two years to go to Indy, but just timing and work whatnot didn't work out. Uh, Indy, and also this year I actually was invited to go to Bakersfield, California, but I couldn't do it. You know, financially, just can't drive. Just couldn't do it. I would like to just say, hey, you know, I actually went down Lions Driveway, down, you know, you know, whatever the hell they call that this this time of day. But uh, yeah, be cool to be actually to uh, go down go down them drag strips where. Most of it all started, you know, back in California. Now, did you get invited up there for the Marsh Meet or for the Hot Rod Reunion? Hot Rod Reunion and the Nitro Reunion, which I think is next weekend. Yeah, yeah I was actually invited for both both of those events this year, but I just, yeah, I just can't go. Yeah, maybe one day, Rodney. Yeah, who knows? I mean... Like you said, I mean, things are, things, uh, it's no joke, it's, it's, it's hard to admit, but the financial, the financial money in this for me, period, is, has gotten to the point where it's, I almost can't do it no more, so, uh, it's, like I said, next year's just gonna be kind of quiet, pick and choose on when I can go. Yeah, Cal just, kind of, California will be how, how long for you to drive? Actually, now living in New York, I uh, moved back here to New York with my parents because they're getting a little older. I gotta, somebody's gotta come back home and take care of them. Right. But from here to California would be, you know, all over three thousand miles one way. Yeah, you're going going by yourself too, so yeah, that's that's kind of hard. Yeah, man, it would be. It ended up taking me two weeks, you know, just to do a round trip and. Um, I, I'd hate to think about how much money it would cost, but I just wouldn't do it. I, you know, I just can't do it, won't do it. Yeah, your best bet if you ever want to go to that track is fly up there and watch some drag racing up there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, just go there and be a spectator. That would be the, that would be the only time to go. Then you could say at least you've been at that historic track over there. Right. Yeah, I've heard many good things about going to the Hop Rod reunion or the March meets, you know what I mean? Some of the old drag races are there, uh, you know. You know, it's you know, it'd be cool to meet those people, you know, firsthand. But yeah, you know, it's just the way it works. 
Have you ever, uh, have, have you ever thought about going going to run at like a Cordova in Illinois or Byron? Yeah, Byron would be pretty cool. Byron would Byron would be um, oh, uh, Brainerd. I guess Brainerd is uh, where is that. That's I think that's up in Michigan. That would be that would be a cool place to go. As far as any others, you know, that stand out, there there really aren't there really aren't any. I mean, I've been to well that the track down in Ennis, Ennis, uh, Texas, you know, Texas Motor Complex. That is a far out place. That's just that's just bigger than my brain could concept when I first pulled in there. <laughs> so, what are some of your favorite tracks to go to? favorite track right offhand would be probably uh, the Mocan track outside of Ansbury, Missouri. Um, mainly due to the fans. You have no idea how the fans are just, they're, they're great people. Fill the stands full length of both sides of the track, full length of the track. They're just, the, the fans are there. I just can't believe the number of people. And as the track has been in operation since 1962, and they just they just keep it up, and everybody loves being there. Oh, uh, that's one. Uh, of course, Ennis, Texas is another. Uh, oh, there's several actually. There's several. Uh, Great Lakes is a is a good track. Uh, U.S. 60 in Kentucky, that's a good track, but. Like I said, there's quite a few that are good. Now, have you have you ever had any accidents or near near calls since you've been driving? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my 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 only accident brush with a little bit of a brush of the wall was right there at Great Lakes. Uh, it was Saturday night after we had a six-hour rain delay and the temperatures got kind of cool and the, the track just wasn't hooking for a little bit for, for a while. And Just before I got to the finish line, about a car length before I got to the finish line, I went across the finish line about a 35-degree angle, 117 mile an hour, and I, I purposely hit the wall to... Uh, Kill the speed and get control of the car, because otherwise she was gonna roll over and be become a basketball. That was just a uh, blink of an eye driver decision that I need to I need to purposely hit this wall and kill this car. Uh, didn't really do any damage. It just rubbed the tires. Uh, just pushed it in the rear fender and just pounded that back out. Thirty minutes later that night, I went and did another I went and did another heads up run. So I mean. You know, <laughs> everything was cool and I ran the exact same thing. 117 mile an hour. <laughs> wow. So, other than that, you know, you, you've had those, you had those moments, especially on shutdown, shutting down some of these gasser cars and how they're built, suspension. You, you got to roll out of the throttle. Because basically what you got to do is you got to let the car reset itself back to the ground, you know, let the suspension of the car take over again. Because what's going on with a lot of these cars is with the speed, the car is trying to actually lift off the track as it's going down the track. Because of the speed, it noses up in the air like that, lightweight. So your speeds, you get a lot of air under the front end of the car, and that air is actually trying to pick that car up off that track. Yeah. Now, Rodney, have you ever had any embarrassing moments on the track? Oh, yeah. Uh, before I had some real good parts and pieces in the back, you know, I exploded all kinds of rear ends and axles. Uh... When I was running four speed, I blew up. You know, I was disintegrated first gear and uh, transmission three different times. Uh, had an oil, had a oil transmission oil cooler line go this this uh, spring down south. I had had that happen. That was a that was a wild ass ride. 
Cars all full of smoke inside, and cars going sideways. Foot was glued to the damn floor. Couldn't see where I was going inside a car for, for a little bit. Wow. You know, it's yeah, just your normal everyday racing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you just kind of like look around. Man, I hope nobody saw that. Take it back to the pits and go home and fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, Rodney, I'm going to ask you a few uh, fun questions here before we close out the interview. Ready? All right. What is uh, Rodney Potter's favorite food to eat? Hamburger and french fries. All right, what's your favorite beverage? Well, I guess adult beverage, uh, probably uh, Miller Lite. And then non-alcoholic, what's your favorite beverage? I know. Are you a dog person or a cat person or neither? Uh, I would be more of a dog person. Hmm. I like I like my beagles for rabbit hunting. Yeah, the dog could be a good, good companion for you when you're driving to you know go racing. Yeah, then what am I gonna do with him? Yeah, that's when true. I'm yeah, at man. work, you know that's that's why I don't have one. All right, now, what's your favorite type of music, Rodney? Oh, either classic rock, classic rock, classic country, you know, nothing newer than uh, 1980s stuff. Who's your favorite classic rock band? Band? Oh, probably, probably Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, I always wanted to see, Fleet, see Fleetwood Mac live at least once, but I never never have been able to see them. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, back back in the seventies what now. They they were they were it's quite the story to uh, follow their uh to learn about their actual stories, you know, what they did back then. I did see Stevie Nixon concert though. Oh, that's cool. So have you been to concerts in your life? No, I hardly ever got to any. But you been to at least one? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, country country music concert, but so what, what was the what was the best concert you ever went to? Uh, it was probably it was probably Carrie Underwood's when she was here up here in New York State Fair when she was first getting going. Because uh, her voice and her music talent, she could sing every variety of type of music, and she sounds really damn good. And back at that time, she was singing, you know, some country and some rock and whatnot. She had a damn good mix and very good voice. So, that, since you've been a big, big classic rock guy, have you ever played any instruments? No, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't sing or play a tune in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I could just tune the radio. <laughs> yeah. So, so what's your favorite color, Rodney? What's your biggest pet peeve at the track? Sitting around waiting to go. <laughs> I mean, when they say time trials at noon, it better be time trials at noon. Not 2 o'clock, not 6 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, you want them to call the gassers up to the starting line on time. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, we're here. We're here to roll. Let's go, you know. Why are we sitting around here waiting for the damn sun to shine or whatever? It just... We're here to go. Let's go. Rodney wants to race. That's right. I mean, <laughs> that's why we're there. Yeah. So what what are you looking forward to uh, for uh, 2023, Rodney? Well, as far as the car running, uh, maintaining and running good without, without spending a lot of money. I just got done. Uh, I'm in the process of rebuilding the power glide. You know, I'm going to have a little over $1,000 in rebuild parts in that. And then uh, hopefully some of the new changes with that will make the car run a little faster. So we'll see what happens when we start racing again. 
Now, if pe people, you know, want to find out where, where you're going to be running the squirrel at, what's the best way for people to find out where you're going to be at with that car? Uh, basically on Facebook, I got my own racing page called Shade Tree Racing Squirrel. Uh, just follow me on, follow me on that page. And the only thing I do on Facebook is just the racing stuff. I don't, I don't do nothing else on Facebook. I don't talk about nothing else. So... Between between my own personal page or my name or else Shady Tree Racing Squirrel. Sounds good, Rodney. So now, do, do you sell any merchandise like T-shirts or any? Do you have anything? I try to. Uh, that is just an expensive pain in the butt. Or make any. I had make any I had picture some cards. Made. I had you know I had some homemade uh, hero cards made. But trying to do everything by yourself at the track, so a lot of times I forgot to set that stuff out. Yeah. You know, and the t-shirts, I ended up giving three-quarters of them away. I didn't even sell them. Yeah, mm. <laughs> you know, just one thing through another, you know, somebody helps you or whatever, you know, especially kids. You know, kids come up there, you know, they think it's cool, you know, they, they, they like the interaction of the squirrels, you know, because they got stuffed squirrels, you know, in the car or whatnot. You know, you get a kid that comes up to you, you know, I ain't going to charge them $20 for a t-shirt, I give them one. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just part of the racers being friendly to the fans. Yeah, the kids are the future, man. That's right. If you don't, if you don't interact them... They're never going to come back. They don't, you know, they, they just won't care. Yeah, you give them a shirt, the kid will be excited. Man, that Rodney gave me a t-shirt. Yep, yep. Memory of a lifetime right there, Rodney. Yes, it is. And there's been a few races where we give uh, parade rides, you know, a kid ride, parade ride, you know, before we start qualifying. And it's something, you know, to see these kids, you know, get inside of these cars and you fire them up and drive 10 mile an hour down the racetrack and they're just, they just can't believe what this, what it's actually like inside of a race car. And it'll probably be the first and only time they ever do it in their life. Yeah. Do you get kids that come up in the pits at the racetracks and want to sit in the car over? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, oh, almost every kid that, you know, comes around... You know, I tell them, hey, you know, I open the door up and I said, hey, I said, this is how the cars were, how they actually were back in 1963. This is what the actual race car drivers had. Put that sat in. I said, sit in there and, you know, feel it. See see what you see. And a lot of them can't even see with the steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're like, how do you drive this? You know, and then, you know, then one thing leads to another. Yeah, you never know. Maybe you'll, you know, steer a kid in the drag racing one day. Hey, you never know. That's uh, that's the whole idea of it. Yep. That's it's good to see a lot of those uh, kids doing the junior dragsters now. Yes, it is. Cause that's the future right there too. That's right. Could be the next John Force. <laughs> yeah, or Erica Henders or yeah. whoever. You never yeah. know. Brittany Forrest, huh? you never know, like you said, yep. So, Rodney, I want to thank you very much for taking time. To, we finally got this interview done. Yeah, yep, thank you for doing it. Oh, you're welcome. I hope you, hope you had fun. Yep, I did. So, um, yeah, hopefully you come up here in June, and hopefully I can make it up there in June to the Great Lakes Driveway. Yeah, it'd be cool to meet you in person. Yeah, take a picture together. So, yeah, thanks again, Rodney, and uh, you have a great uh, rest of the year, and uh, best of luck to you in 2023 with the squirrel. Okay, thank you. Right. Talk to you later. Have a good day, Rodney. Yep, you too. Bye. Bye. Bye.